And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Today, in Romans chapter 2, we learn that God's judgment is not only based on facts and according to deeds, it's also impartial. We will also learn of God's purpose in giving us His law. And now with His message for today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. And so when we're saved, we ought to live a thank you kind of life back to God. We ought to do what the good works He's prepared and set before us to do any given day. And that lines up with Ephesians 2.10, uh, after verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, that anyone should boast. Then verse 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in. God has prepared good works just for each one of you to do before you were even conceived, before you trusted Jesus to be your Savior. God has prepared good works beforehand that you and only you would do. Are you doing them? How do you do them? You report to duty every day to the Lord, every moment of the day. I'm available, I'm leadable, I'm teachable. What, Lord? That's how you do it. Or... Romans 1.5, in the greeting to the church at Rome, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. Uh, Paul wasn't just in, into seeing Gentiles converted. He was into seeing them converted and then obeying Jesus, Lord and Savior. Or in James 2.18, it's all lining up. It says, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. Saving faith in Jesus Christ has bedfellows called obedience to his lordship and the doing of his good works for us. person who goes long enough claiming to be a Christian who doesn't obey characteristically, who doesn't, isn't any interest in doing good works that God puts before him, may not be saved because these things go together. So we're studying Romans uh, 2, 1 16. We are looking overall at three principles of God's judgment, and we've seen two of these principles so far to review. Principle one, God's judgment is based on facts, verses 2 to 5. Second principle, God's judgment is according to deeds, verses 6 to 10. Uh, the last verses of the passage, 11 to 16, give us the third and final principle of God's judgment this morning. You ready? God's judgment is impartial. God's judgment is impartial. God doesn't care about your balance sheet. God doesn't care about your level of education. God doesn't care about your race. God's judgment is impartial. Verses 11 to 16. For there is no partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves. In that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. 
their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Verse 16, on that day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. So this last point on God's judgment this morning is that God's judgment is impartial. He has no partiality. He has no favoritism as judge. The person who is a sinner is a sinner no matter uh, where they come from, no matter their standing in society. If you're a sinner, you're a sinner, whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. Now, verse 13 is interesting, I think. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Does that mean that someone can be justified by law-keeping? Well, if they could keep the law, yes, but nobody can keep the law. Only Jesus kept the law. Nobody else. Before Jesus kept all the law, nobody since Jesus Christ has kept all the law. Only Jesus kept all the law. That's why his death counted to give you righteousness. So what is this saying? But the doers of the law will be justified. I wrote in my margin, at least hypothetically, If someone could keep the law, 100% of the law, 100% of the time, I suppose they'd be justified. But nobody can. The law was given to show us that we couldn't. When I had hair, which was many years ago now, and I stood before the mirror, it only showed me my hair was messy and never fixed my hair. The law is a mirror. It tells an individual they're not measuring up to God, but it doesn't make a visual any better before God. That takes Christ. That's the hairbrush. In this analogy, Jesus is the perfect hairbrush. He's the one who, after we've seen we fall short, can make our lives right. In case you wonder about this, that no one can justify by keeping the law because no one can keep the law, flip over to chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 quickly. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, and every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God because, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Sin is the mirror to show me my hair was messy. James 2.10 also makes this very clear when it says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he becomes guilty of all. God says it's an all deal. If you keep all of God's law and fall in one point within it, it might as well you've disobeyed all of it. That's why no one's justified by law-keeping. We can't keep the law, but Jesus did. Jesus kept the law. Hallelujah. So what this is saying is that apart from God's grace and Jesus' cross, unredeemed Gentiles and Jews are both going to be impartially judged by Jesus. The Gentiles will be judged for violations of their own conscience. That's what verses 14 to 16 of chapter 2 say. And the Jews will be judged for violations of God's revealed law in the Old Testament. But either way, those who don't believe in Christ are going to be judged impartially. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of You Talking. Today we want to start a series talking about family and family feud. And as we know, the kids are out, uh, summer has started, and we know that a lot of times during this time of year, uh, parents take off time and spend with their kids and um, because they have nowhere to send their kids. And so sometimes the stress level becomes higher, and sometimes the feuding becomes more. And what we need to recognize is that we, you know, when we consider this, we need to be patient with your family, like God was patient with you. 
we know that we are all sinful people. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we have all sinned. And I think that as we start this series, we need to recognize that there is no family that is perfect. Uh, whether we um, see families that are on the surface look like everything is okay, we need to recognize that things behind closed doors may not be what they seem. You know, and all families are different. Everyone struggles with different things, and they're all made up differently, but we're all made with imperfect people. And when we consider that as a young person, when we consider that we're not perfect, we try to sometimes put our parents that they're perfect, but they're really not. And so this morning, like I said, we want to start this series talking about family, and we want to talk about how parents are not perfect. And we could go from the beginning of time as we consider Adam and Eve, and we consider their family, and we consider just what went on there. The first thing we recognized was the world was imperfect. And we, this is just a, a paraphrase, an overview of Genesis chapters 2 through 4. And it says, you know, the Bible tells us that sin entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. Starting with Adam and Eve, humans have always had the tendency to disobey God, cause pain and frustrate each other. Um, if you remember the story, if you remember this, you know, it was blame pointing to each other. It was your fault. It was this person's fault. You know, Adam even said, God, this is the woman you gave me. And I think that when we consider that, again, this is a problem that we've always had in life. It goes on. You know, it, it's something that as we think of this family feud, it started from the beginning because of sin. The next thing we need to understand is your family is imperfect as we see it in the same thing. After Adam and Eve were, were cast out of the Garden of Eden, they had two sons named Cain and Abel. In Genesis 4, we learned that Cain grew jealous of his brother Abel. So jealous, in fact, that he actually killed him. As a consequence, Cain was forced to leave his home and his family and was never the same. You see, we see, even in this story, that we see how, just like Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the family is imperfect. So is mine. You know, we need to remember that. We need to remember that as a family, we're not a perfect family. Um, as you watch TV, there are people who try to, you know, paint a perfect family. But we see, again, how difficult and how real, you know, families are and how real families are not perfect. But the main thing that we need to understand is you are imperfect. Each one of us are imperfect. None of us are perfect. And although it would be convenient to place all the blame for our family problems on everyone else, with us. Let's be honest, we're not perfect either. You see, just like everyone else who has ever lived, you are imperfect. You may get hurt, offended, frustrated, or annoyed by your family, but you hurt, offend, frustrate, and annoy your family too. And I think that as we consider this, and we consider this, this series, and as we look through this, we need to recognize it. And that's where it starts with. It starts with us. It starts with you as a teenager, how are you helping your family? How are you helping your parents? How are you helping the whole family situation? And we know that families are, are, are so different today as there are families who have a mother and a father um, in the home. And we know there are some that don't have a father. You know, and I know that's, that brings a whole other you know, issue and matter. But the, the, it, the, what we want to look at is to think whoever is in the home especially as a teenager, we have to respect our parents. We have to respect what's going on. We need to, first of all, look at ourselves and recognize that we are imperfect. Um, you know, again, as we think of family, you know, divorce happens and all of these things come into play. 
and the the blame gets put into you know we point the blame and and blame other people, and I know that it's hard as a young person, but we need to look for ways that we have to understand as the Bible says that we need to honor our parents, no matter what's going on. It also is a time for us to remember as well that if our parents go against God's word, that we need to know that and we need to see that and know what what things we are to do. You know, we know in our culture today that parents have their teenagers doing things that they know they shouldn't do. In fact, some parents will tell their teenager to go out and steal things for the family. And we know that is wrong. The Bible is very clear that. So we need to recognize that. And so when we consider that and we consider the family and we consider how, you know, the family is, is, a, is a thing that God wants to be honored in. And that's why Satan attacks the family so much, because he recognizes that this is what, what helps the whole foundation. The foundation of having a godly family is very difficult because you're dealing with people. And dealing with people is difficult, but we as a family need to work together to bring honor and glory to God. And I think that as we consider that truth and we consider what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks, we need to be patient with one another. We, and, and we're going to look at this next week as we look at James chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20 and look at how when we're patient with each other, God is honored. And, and when we're patient with each other, we can, we can hear from each other and we know what each other's trying to do. But as we close this morning, Again, I want to just think of those three points that we looked at as we think of Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through 4. The world is imperfect. It started with Adam and Eve as they sin, and sin entered the world. And that makes the whole world imperfect. The second thing is your family is imperfect. You know, we think of Cain and Abel, and we think of, again, the jealousy and, and how things got messed up in the family, and, and it caused a whole, you know, problem. But most importantly, you are imperfect. When we consider that and when we get that truth in our hearts and our lives that we are imperfect, we don't put expectations on people that they can't live up to. And I think too many times in life, that's what happens. We, we look at our parents and we think to ourselves that, you know, they are perfect. You know, we think that they can't make mistakes, but they are going to make mistakes. The question is, haven't you made mistakes? Um, haven't you um, done things to hurt people, to frustrate people, um, to annoy people? We need to trust God and we need to recognize that as we consider these truths and we consider in this whole family feud series that we're going to look at, that we are sinful people and we need a savior that's going to help us each and every day in our families. So this is Pastor Nicholas in another edition of You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Good morning, listeners. We are in the recording studio this morning. Sister Priscilla Murphy and myself. Good morning, Sister Priscilla. Good morning, Pastor Elliot. We have been having a conversation in a previous broadcast about a new ministry that God has given to you called RICH. Just for review's sake, please help us know what RICH stands for. Well, RICH stands for Reaching in a City Home with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Reaching inner city homes through the gospel of Christ. Excellent. And it's a ministry for women and girls. It's a ministry uh, sourced out of Calvary Bible Church. 
but a model that God may well call other churches to be a part of. And uh, it's already going somewhat, but we're seeking to, the Lord to expand it, to, to make it scale in our assembly a little bigger. So, Sister Priscilla, I understand that you are doing some mentoring yourself already with some uh, girls. Tell us about those girls, and please tell us what you do and how's it going. <laughs> well, it's going very well. You know, for the last 18 months past the Elliot. I just had a passion for just reaching out to the young girls within my assembly. And it's been going very well. Our mentoring program um, has three segments to it. And the first one is spiritual. The other one is social. And the other one is domestic. Dealing with the whole person. The whole person. The whole person. Well, the girls meet at my house or yeah. my home yes uh, once a month and we start with spiritual things because m the majority of the girls are Christians believers believers in Christ mm -hmm. and we use the word of God to um, strengthen them but we use K. Arthur's book one of K. K. Arthur's book K. Arthur K. Arthur uh -huh. and the topic is developing a real relationship with God mm -hmm. usually when young girls come to Jesus Christ, they, they know they know Jesus, but they need someone to mentor them because I was mentored when I became to Christ at age 15. See. And so, you know, and that's the, the spiritual side. During this time, we have lively discussions from the Word of God. Good. Very provocative. Mm -hmm. And there where you know the girls are in their journey too, their Christian walk with God. Secondly, the next segment is Social. During the same time, they develop a bonding relationship. And one of the big things of the girls is ending up in my kitchen. In your kitchen? In my kitchen. <laughs> kitchen. I love kitchen work. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens in your kitchen? What happened in my kitchen? <laughs> the girls, they cook, they bake bread, bake cookie, make cookies. Yes. And the last thing they do, they have a meal every time to carry home, a whole meal to carry home to their family. How nice. Yes, and right now they are in a small class learning how to sew or stitch buttons or a little embroidery. And so that's... That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, my dear wife, Beth, she, she learned to sew about the same age as your girls. Oh. And you know what? It saved us a lot of money in our marriage because she knows how to sew. Uh -huh. Oh, that's very good. So um, what is the time frame of these times spent in your home from when to when? Well, and one thing I like with Pastor Elliot, the parents are quite involved. Good. Very. They drop them at my house mm -hmm. and they get them from my house. Okay. And the time frame is from 10 to 2. And that's once a month, you said? Once a month, 10 to 2. 10, 10 a.m. to 2, 2. p.m. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Boy, I can only imagine how much the girls look forward to these times. Every time. I, well, I look forward to them. Of course. When they leave, I wish they never leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very, very good. How long do you envision the mentoring relationship going? Well, Pastor Elliot, mentoring is a life style. Yes. It's a lifelong journey. Yes. Because we look at Jesus Christ, Jesus mentored. And then when Jesus mentored his disciples, his disciples end up mentoring other 
other people. Definitely. And you look in mentoring in Second Timothy chapter two, Paul told Timothy that and the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. I want you to pass it on to faithful men yes. and by extension women yes. who'll be able, be qualified to teach others. And so mentoring is a long, long lifestyle, you know. Yes, yeah. that's so good. And I would think that when a girl benefits from mentoring, maybe from as young an age as seven years old, mm-hmm. that it will become part of their Christian lives. Mm-hmm. And so if they... Um, either go off the island to college mm-hmm. or to a job, they won't forget it mm-hmm. and they'll value it. Mm-hmm. And if they stay right here in Nassau, which would be great if they did, mm-hmm. then again, they will remember it, value it, and, and be a part of it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And you know, Pastor Elliot, I was 15 when I came to know Jesus Christ. Yes. And I had godly women who took me under their wings. Yes. And they... My, now they in heaven now. Yes. They were 85 and, and, and 75 and 65 when I followed, I saw their pattern of lifestyle. And I wonder how are these women, wh- how are they living their life? They live their life through a practical lifestyle to the word of God. Yes. And I just was drawn to them. Yes. Missionaries from around United States, Canada, and the Bahamas. And I, I just was passionate. Yes. So I think that came, my passion now is because I received so much from these older women. Amen. I'm yeah. sure that's very true. Uh, that's great. Um, Priscilla, to start with, uh, the RICH program will work with church girls and young women. Uh, when do you think that the girls uh, and the young women of our surrounding neighborhood, which is Mason's Edition, Mason's Edition surrounds our church's building, um, we begin within our assembly, but the goal is not to stay just within our assembly. No. So what, tell us a bit more about that. Well, um, our target date is between September and October. However, it depends on how many of the women signed up to mentor within our church first. Yes. Before we can launch out. Because, you know, we need to start with at home first, because yes. that's the Bible pattern, like you said, in Acts. Yes. We ought to start at home first and then reach out to the surrounding area. Yes, so the rough goal, the prayerful goal is September or October uh-huh. that we'll be able to take the rich program beyond our own assembly to our neighbors mm-hmm. uh, who we care about and pray for. Mm-hmm. This is so good. I'm so grateful that we could talk about it and uh, share it with people that can benefit from it. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives within us as the blood-bought children of God. Mm -hmm. We are grateful that uh, He uh, guides us into all truth in Your Word, the Bible. We're grateful that He gives us the character qualities of Jesus Mm -hmm. increasingly as we allow Him to control us. We thank You that one of those character qualities of our precious Lord is love, and You've given us a love Um, for each other within Calvary Bible Church. Thank you for the godly women who love the younger girls and teenagers. And thank you for the love of the girls and the teenagers for those older than them. But Lord, we desire that in in your will, in your plan, in your timing, that we could export your love Mm -hmm. to our neighbors. Uh, 
We know, Lord, that there are many women uh, and many girls who could benefit from, uh, first of all, hearing the gospel and responding in faith and be, being saved. But then after they're saved, uh, the benefit from uh, learning from a more spiritually advanced woman mm-hmm. how to be a Christian girl, how to be a Christian woman, and how to re- reflect Jesus and how to um, live according to the Word of God, how to be a woman or a girl of prayer, how to uh, take the salvation that they've received to others who need Christ. Mm-hmm. Lord, you know our hearts are to see these things happen. But we pray that before we go outside our four walls, that you strengthen the rich program that we could reach inner city homes for Christ mm-hmm. beyond ourselves. Lord, if there are any listening today, coming from many different assemblies and local churches, uh, who are excited about what they're hearing God doing, who are interested to know more, help them to reach out to, to us that we could try to encourage them and uh, guide them into some of the things that you've taught us. And to the end, Lord, that the girls and the women of the Bahamas, Mm -hmm. including the family islands, would walk worthy of their callings in Christ Mm -hmm. and that they would be difference makers where they make their homes and where they go to their jobs and go to their schools. Lord, thank you for Priscilla. Thank you for the women around her uh, uh, leading, servant leading this ministry. We pray that they would have strength for their labors mm-hmm. and fruit, spiritual fruit from their labors, fruit that would last. And we ask these things with much thanksgiving always. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.